Today on Season 2, Episode 91 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, put on your best jerseys and your tuxedo t-shirts and join us for this season's most prestigious awards ceremony. Bryce and I have reviewed the tape, scoured the stats, and dug in deep before giving out this verbal hardware. Who was the season's MVP? Who was the biggest disappointment? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for the Yuppies on tap. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for UPs on tap. The season-ending awards for your Green Bay Packers. I'm your co-host for this episode, Bryce Christensen. Alongside me, I've got... Nebels. The soothing, sexy sounds of Nebels. What's up, Bryce? The one-man show. The one-man show behind, behind the scenes, the magician. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am doing well. Was a little under the weather yesterday, but feeling good. Got my energy back today, so I'm I'm ready to go. I love it. This is actually going to be our. We've never done it. I mean, we've done season-ending awards in the past. We're we're approaching our three-year anniversary the first week of March. But Yuppies, I think this is going to be a thing moving forward. Yeah, uh, buddy. The Unknown Packers podcast version of our uh, season ending awards. So we're going to let's get right into it. So let's just for for the preview, we'll do MVP, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, rookie, breakout, surprise, and we have disappointment. Both myself and Nebels have a hard time saying bust. They're human beings. We love the Green Bay Packers. I for me, I just bust is such a such a hateful word in my opinion. So we're going with disappointment. And then we're going to wrap up the episode with the hiring of Packers' new defensive backs coach. Yeah, let's get right into it. So, let's rock uh, for and roll. M- for MVP, my other brother from another mother, Nebels, who do you have? Probably won't come as much of a surprise, but I went with Aaron Jones. The last time the Packers had a 1,000-yard rusher, it was Eddie Lacy, and that was five years ago. So he broke that streak by rushing for 1,084 yards, 16 touches, while adding 474 yards and three touchdowns as a receiver. So to me, there was no one more important to the offense this year than Aaron Jones. Say what you will about Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's been the MVP in the past, but I think we're turning over a new leaf. I think that Aaron needs to turn this team over, if you will, to Aaron Jones, and and LaFleur needs to run the offense through Aaron Jones going forward. That's still going to allow Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers, but just to a, a, a lesser extent. It allows him to, he doesn't have to make those explosive plays anymore. He doesn't have to go for the home run ball. He can check it down to Aaron. And Aaron Jones is just such a such an explosive player. The future is bright with this guy. I love it. I thought about Aaron Jones. I thought about Zadarius Smith. Uh, I actually thought about Devontae Adams too, just kind of what mismatch he does and how much separation he creates. He, he opens up a lot for Aaron Jones. 
But for the the first surprise of the UPs on tap, for my MVP, I went with head coach Matt LaFleur. Nice. Uh, he became the first head coach to win his first game against the Bears since Vince Lombardi did it in 1959. LaFleur also became the first rookie head coach with the Packers to win 10 games, make the playoffs, and win the NFC North. Uh, Matt LaFleur also became the most recent rookie head coach to record 13 wins in a season since Jim Harbaugh did it with the San Francisco 49ers in 2011. Uh, winning the North, the number two seed. That Tuesday night, the first week of January, they made it official on January 7th, and then uh, news broke on January 8th. A lot of pundits, a lot of prognosticators, a lot of reporters talked about who? Matt LaFleur, who? Offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, who? And for me, they're back in December of 2018 when they fired head coach Mike McCarthy. Uh, Matt LaFleur was a guy that I had my eye on. I just thought he was a young up-and-comer. Maybe I drank the Kool-Aid a little bit with the the Sean McVay tree, but really the Mike Shanahan tree, Kyle Shanahan tree. The future, like you said, is bright with Aaron Jones. It all starts with Matt LaFleur. You don't have a successful season, in my opinion, without him. He completely changed over the culture from top to bottom. Numerous players talked about how fun this was this year. And on top of it, he's a grinder. I think it's a perfect... A match made in heaven with Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur. Both are grinders. And I can't wait to see what's in store for that year one, year two jump. But my MVP is Matt LaFleur. Good call. Good call. I like it a lot. I definitely agree. What's next? Offensive player of the year? Let's let's rock and roll. All right. I, I got real lazy with this one. I'm doubling down and going with Aaron Jones again. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I going through looking at everybody, I mean, I could have really sat down and said, like you said, you know, give it to Devontae, you know, this and that. But to me, no one meant more for the offense this year than Aaron Jones. Again, it's one of those things where he's going to allow that offense to not have to rely on the arm of Aaron Rodgers anymore. I would be confident for once if something were to happen to Aaron Rodgers and, you know, we had a backup come in that Jones would be able to to carry the load and and we would still have some semblance of success. And like I said, you take Aaron Jones off this team, I think I would be singing a whole different tune. So again, MVP and Offensive Player of the Year both goes to Aaron Jones for me. For Offensive Player of the Year, I have Aaron Jones as well. I thought about the offensive line, how special they played. Sure. I thought about Devontae Adams, even though he missed a few games with that turf toe injury. You got Aaron Jones. I mean, it, like I said about Matt LaFleur, I don't know if we win 14 games, uh, including that playoff divisional round against the Seahawks. I don't know if you win that many games without Aaron Jones. Right. Uh, like I said about Gutekunst and LaFleur, Aaron Jones and Matt LaFleur, it's super exciting. He does not have a lot of uh, wear and tear as well. So I know a lot of people are concerned of, oh, do you, do you pay Aaron Jones when his contract runs out? Time will tell, but for me, I think it's super exciting to see what he could do. He's a mismatch when you turn him into a wide receiver. He's an easy check down, security blanket for Aaron Rodgers. He played in all 18 games. There was a big concern if he could shoulder the load of an NFL bell right. cow or a running back. And he took last offseason seriously. I think he went down from like 10% of body fat down to 5%. He maintained the same weight, so all that fat turned to muscle. He played in all 18 games. Uh, not only is he a star on the Green Bay Packers, he's one of the NFL's bright shining stars. I'm regurgitating some of what you said, but 1,202 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns, 55 catches, 
505 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns, 1,707 total yards, and 23 total touchdowns, a new team record. Just how special was Aaron Jones? Uh, Jones became just the 13th player in NFL history to score at least 23 touchdowns in a single season. He joins Emmett Smith, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, LaDainian Tomlinson, Terrell Davis, and Marshall Falk as the only players to ever score that many times in a year. Incredible company that he's in. I thought that he he should be MVP. Give him all the awards. Aaron Jones, the bye-bye-bye with the Dallas Cowboys, oh, yeah. the Eaton, the the brushing the dirt off. First, he He's everything. The total package. Offensive player of the year, Aaron Jones. I like it. I like it. Great minds think alike, I guess, huh? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> all right. Um, Go ahead. Moving on to Defensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. Again, this should come as no surprise, but I did go with Zadarius Smith. More than the the stats he had, you know, more than the sacks, more than the tackles. I mean, we know we haven't seen an edge rusher play like this in many years for the Packers. To me, it was more of what he did, what he means for the locker room, what he means for the defense as a whole. He's kind of the the glue that keeps this defense together. You know, he is definitely a uh, an outspoken leader in the locker room, and that's also something that I don't think we've had of his stature in in a few years. I think again, without him, more than again, more than he, he did on the field, I don't think that we'd be as successful because we've needed that that leader in the locker room, that leader on and off the field. So more than it's, you know, more than his, it's his play itself. I'm giving him the defensive player of the year again for that leadership, for those intangibles that he has brought to this team. Uh, This was the one award that I didn't even blink. Uh, Zadarius Smith, no question in my opinion, Uh, right after we hired Matt LaFleur in January, Zadarius Smith also signed a four year, $66 million contract later on. The incredible thing about Zadarius Smith is that when he signed that contract, he told uh, Ian Rappaport on a podcast that he bawled. He just cried. Uh, right after I heard that, I, th- I thought, just, you know, you got, you got a guy that's emotional. It means something to him. I was super excited in the uh, in training camp. I had mentioned that Zadarius Smith could be to Brian Gutekunst what Charles Woodson is to Ted Thompson and what uh, Reggie White was to Ron Wolf. And sure enough, in his first year, he was absolutely incredible, uh, completely setting the tone for, I mean, a Packers revival, not only overall on the team, but the defense as well. Say what you will with the defense, what they did against the San Francisco 49ers. I think that they were the best team in the NFC. They deserve to be in the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan is brilliant. And like we said in our season ending on tap last week, I'm looking forward to that rivalry. I think Zadarius Smith is going to remember that game. I think he's going to want to make sure that the 49ers remember him even more. But over 18 games, 15 and a half sacks, 41 quarterback hits, 18 tackles for loss. He led the NFL in total pressures, quarterback hits, and expected sacks, despite being double teamed more than any other edge rusher. Like you said, with Aaron Jones, like I said, with Matt LaFleur, as well as Aaron Jones, I think the... The possibilities are endless with Zadarius Smith, another bright, shining star, a guy that's going to explode. I can't wait to see what year one to year two jump, especially with Mike Pettin being back as defensive coordinator. We talked about it in our episode, in our season-ending episode. I just think year three with Mike Pettin, you get year two with Zadarius Smith. It's exciting. I've got another guy that I, I'm looking forward to talking about on the defense, but we'll hold that for the second half of UP's On Tap. We hope you enjoyed the first half 
of UP's On Tap. We'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with Rookie of the Year, with Breakout, Surprise, Disappointment, and then we'll share some highlights of Jerry Gray joining the, the coaching ranks of the Green Bay Packers. We'll be right back. Go Pack Go! You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. Do you want to be a part of the show? If so, give our listener line a call. Leave your name, a comment, concern, or question, and we will include your message on an upcoming episode. Call 920-328-5269. Again, that's 920-328-5269. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to show us some love and rate us on your favorite podcast provider. Now, let's get to the second half. With the second half of UP's on tap, and I think maybe it's no brainer, but I'm curious to see who you have for rookie of the year. <laughs> oh yeah, I think we're on the same page probably once again here. But maybe you surprised me. I don't know. I went with uh, Elton Jenkins. Yep. Yep. You gotta. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you gotta. Uh, he, he, Elton played 100% of offensive snaps at left guard starting in week three and continuing through their two playoff games this season. So really, if you think about it, he was just one game shy of a full season, a full season's work as a rookie. And to play 100% of the offensive snaps, that's that's quite the feat. Now, at one point in late November, he was the only guard in the league who hadn't allowed a sack or a quarterback hit. That's super impressive. It's crazy. It is crazy. I didn't. I, I couldn't really find the year-ending stats on that, but I know that he finished the year tied for fourth, for fourth best in the NFL amongst all guards with a ninety-five percent pass block win rate, which is that that is super impressive. I, I did hear some rumblings. There was some talk that he should be in contention for off, offensive rookie of the year honors at the NFL level, but. You and I both know that that is an award that most likely will never go to an offensive lineman. So for now, exactly. yeah. So for now, he's just going to have to settle for a, a UP from us. I think he's happy with the <laughs> the UP. Elton Jenkins. Uh, I think this was another no brainer for Rookie of the Year. He could even be the surprise of the year, to be honest. You know, with Rashawn Gary sure. selected twelfth, Darnell Savage selected twenty first. I mean, those guys you're thinking about possibly for Rookie of the Year. I. Darnell Savage, definitely. I'm excited about Rashawn Gary. I don't know what others think about, but what Brian Gutekun said about Rashawn Gary is that when he played, he affected the game. I think when you have Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, it, it eases a lot of the burden for expectations for a first-round rookie in Rashawn Gary. I think the star, the potential for Rashawn Gary is exciting, but what is extremely exciting is that you essentially got a second-round pick I mean, you essentially got maybe a top 10. If they redo the draft, Elton Jenkins probably goes in the top 10 and you get him in the second round. He took over for Lane Taylor at left guard in week three. Uh, Like you said, he made all uh, 16 straight starts. Didn't give up a sack during the regular season and graded out as one of the NFL's best left guards per pro football focus. All rookie team selection likely was the best rookie interior lineman. I mean, I think he could be an all-pro. Uh, the The future is bright. It's extremely exciting to think about David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins on that left side of the uh, the offensive line blocking for Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, he could be the surprise. No one was thinking that Elton Jenkins was going to come in 
and not allow a sack, and then also grayed out as one of the best pass blockers as well. So a huge hit for Brian Gutekunst. I'm super excited to see what Brian Gutekunst does moving forward. This this was a home run. Rookie of the year, Elton Jenkins. 100%. And moving on, who do you have for breakout? I think these next couple of awards here, this is when it's going to get going to get fun because I think (laughs) a little bit less predictable and we'll see who uh, who we have now my breakout this is going to be kind of an odd one but maybe not I went with Mason Crosby oh yeah we do not have the same one (laughs) (laughs) now it's kind of funny calling a veteran kicker who just wrapped up his 13th season (laughs) as a Packer the breakout player of the year but if you look at it he did in fact have a career year he made 91.7 percent of his field goals his previous high was 89.2%, and that was back in 2013. So this year he has made, you know, had the highest field goal percentage of his entire career. He hit 97.6% of his extra points, only missing one this season, which was his highest extra point percentage since the rule change increasing the extra point distance occurred. And I, th- I think I was back in, what, 2015? And then finally, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but... He had the most touchbacks of his career with 62% of his kicks being downed in the end zone. So, like I said, it sounds funny giving the breakout player award to Mason Crosby since he's been kicking for 13 years. But when a player does have a career year in his 13th year, he had some struggles last year, kind of been struggling off and on for a couple seasons. And I think this is probably the most sol- solidly I have seen him kick in, in his career, except for a couple of years here and there. So that's why I decided to give him the Breakout Player of the Year award this season. I love it. I'm getting emotional. He's getting a, a Yuppie. I'd like to think that he's coming back. So, yeah. I mean, that, that'll, be an, that'll be a topic of discussion for another episode. Tony Schaefer, who one of my oldest friends, uh, one of my closest friends, who wrote for us as well, used to give him the nickname, probably still does, but calls him Das Boot. Das Boot. Das Boot. So I'm glad Das Boot was booting it this year. Yeah. And no, I do not have uh, (laughs) a breakout for that, but I I love it. You continue to surprise me with the special teams, with the tight ends. You got me all fired up because now I'm curious what your surprise and your disappointment are as well. (laughs) For my breakout, I went with Kevin King. Ah, yes. Uh, After two injury plague seasons and people incessantly just talking about TJ Watt, should have drafted him. Kevin King's a bust. He stayed mostly healthy for 2019. That third year breakout, which you see in other sports, especially when it comes to like fantasy football drafts, you're always looking for that that third year breakout. I thought Kevin King was it. Over 805 snaps. King intercepted a team high five passes. He broke up 15 passes and tallied his first sack. Opposing quarterbacks had a passer rating of 84.5 when targeting him in coverage. I think here's the interesting tidbit. Three of his five interceptions came in the fourth quarter with the Packers protecting leads, including two in the end zone, one against the Vikings and one against the Raiders. I think the few, I hope the future is bright. I think Kevin King will always have that scarlet letter of possibly being an injury plagued player. I think what you saw is a guy that this is the potential. You can have lockdowns with Kevin King and with Jair. Jair really, I know he he had a little bit of a lull halfway through the season, but I thought he finished strong. So I think the future is bright when you look at the secondary on top of it with the Smiths. I thought about some other players as well. 
for, uh, for breakout. I mean, you can think about Aaron Jones breaking out. You can also think about Zadarius Smith breaking out. I also thought about Adrian Amos as well, a guy yeah, that we don't really yeah. talk about. But Kevin King, I thought he was a guy that I wanted to stay healthy. And then this is what you get with that stat line. I agree. I had him I had him written down as possible breakout, possible surprise. I didn't go with him for either of those, but definitely well-deserved. So good choice. With that nice. being said, I will move on to my surprise player. And I went with Mr. Alan Lazard. And I did too. Oh, All right. Yeah. <laughs> so from practice squad to receiver number two candidate, Lazard made himself a priority free agent, in my opinion. I think they need to resign him moving into the 2020 season. Though his stats weren't incredible, he finished with 35 catches for 477 yards and three touchdowns. It was good for second best on the team behind Devontae Adams. What's encouraging about this is he didn't really get any action until week five of the season. And had it not been for his performances in both games against Detroit, Green Bay probably loses those contests. Exactly. He's he's reliable. He makes very minimal mistakes. He comes up with clutch plays when called upon. And most importantly, he has earned the quote-unquote trust of one Aaron Rodgers. I'm still expecting the Packers to address the receiver position big time this offseason, and he may not go into 2020 if they resign him. They might He may not go in as their number two receiver. However, he would still be a luxury to have as a number three or possibly even number four receiver going forward. So I think he is a solid addition to this team, and it's just surprising that He didn't make our initial 53-man roster, ended up on the practice squad. No one scooped him up. We ended up activating him, and he played very, very well. He kind of stepped into that role that I expected, you know, MVS or Jake Kumro to have, and he exceeded both of them. So uh, definitely a very pleasant surprise for me this season, and I certainly, to me, again, I think he is one of the free agent priorities for the Packers to sign going into the 2020 season. There's not much more I can add. I I mean, we it was no surprise to us at the Unknown Packers right. podcast. You know, he was on our initial 53-man roster. I had him converted to a tight end, a more athletic tight end. Yep. The interesting thing about Alan Lazard is that, I mean, we could continue on and boast and boast about this predictions. I did not predict this, that he was going to step up, uh, be the number two. Really, clutch is what I, when I think of Alan Lazard clutch, he's only going to be 24 years old. I think the you know, reoccurring theme is the future is bright, and he is definitely one of those big surprises. I There, there are a couple of guys I thought about, but for me, when you really think about it, this is a no-brainer in my opinion. Shannon Sullivan came to mind as well. But Alan Lazard, what he did, I mean, if you, if without Alan Lazard, who, who, what happens? Right, I mean, exactly. really, like, I mean, so he, he gave uh, another opportunity for some diversity in that, in that offense. So couldn't have said it better myself. Unfortunately, we have to move on to uh, disappointment. And I yeah. am really intrigued. Uh, who is your disappointment? I don't uh, think I've ever been this excited. I'm, I'm oh really boy. curious. <laughs> I, and I'm sure I will catch flack for, for this pick from some parties. But I had to go with Rashawn Gary. Oh! Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, Ugh. I know, I know, I know, but just bear with me. I take back what I just <laughs> said. I'm, it's, I'm <laughs> It was disappointing only because of his, uh, of we used the number 12 pick for him. I understand what they are doing about bringing him up slowly, playing him behind the Smiths, kind of moving around, letting him, letting him develop. But to me, as a number 12 pick, that's just something that you 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 I, I don't think you can really do. 
I'd like to see a number 12 pick going in there and getting more opportunity. I mean, he he does make the best of his opportunity, but he doesn't he hasn't had as much opportunity as I would expect. I mean, he I thought for sure that he would take over more snaps from Fackerel and so on and so forth, and I do not believe again, I didn't double check this, but I still think that that Fackerel had more snaps than Gary did over the the season. Mm-hmm. I thought they would end up playing Gary a whole lot more. So, like I mentioned, he did he did make the best of his opportunities. He did have good stats for when he played. So the only reason why I am giving him the disappointment is I am disappointed on the amount of opportunities he's been given for a number 12 overall draft pick. I just think that, you know, I could see, you know, later half of the draft, second round, you know, treating a a player like that, you're afforded a little bit more to treat him as a project. But for the 12, that just kind of, it just kind of bugs me. So Again, while it's not necessarily his play itself, because that's going to be good, I don't think he's going to be a disappointment or a bust over the long term throughout his career. This is just kind of more of a, a situational disappointment for me, if that makes sense. Uh, it makes sense, and you know, it's valid. Definitely, uh, I hear you, I appreciate you, and I respect you. I'm looking forward to having an ongoing conversation about this. We'll sure. definitely do a breakdown of our free agents, uh, you know, encapsulating that as well as our rookies. During the offseason, the way you paint it, it definitely seems like a discipline, especially with that draft capital with the 12th pick. Right, right. I, I, I struggled. Again, I, I'm not going to reveal who else I was considering because then people can pick that apart. But for my disappointment, and this is for me, is uh, fullback Danny Vitale. Oh, uh, meatball. <laughs> so, and this is to say, I mean, gr- granted, you know, make fullbacks great again. You don't really talk about fullbacks being breakouts, but he was my breakout. I was expecting how the Packers were going to use Danny Vitale, almost very similar in how they use Juszczyk and George Kittle, that fullback tight end combination with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the wheel route that we saw in training camp and preseason, just all these visions of how they were going to use Danny Vitale. I thought he could be like a very versatile weapon for the Green Bay Packers. And then ending the the season on injury and then also us having to use a pickup to, to acquire another fullback. So all in all, like he, it was just a disappointing season for Danny Vitale. Uh, not to say that he can't come back and maybe year two he'll be more involved in the offense. I just had all these visions. And maybe it's on me. Maybe I just set lofty expectations for a position that only the San Francisco 49ers are really able to capitalize on. So Danny Vitale is my disappointment but that's that, yeah. I can't that's say a, that's our UPs. I can't say I disagree with that pick. I mean, I, I I would if I could change mine, I maybe would think about changing over to Meatball. But no, that was a interesting. That was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. But yeah, it is what it is. There you have it. The first Nebels and Bryce UPs awards. Oh yeah. I, I do want to mention uh, the Packer some Packers news. The Packers hired Jerry Gray to replace. Jason Simmons, who went over to the the Carolina Panthers in the same position. Jerry Gray had been the Minnesota Vikings defensive backs coach for the past five seasons under head coach Mike Zimmer. I, I get a little smirk out of it just because of the whole LaFleur-Zimmer feud. I mean, I think Zimmer sure. hates LaFleur. LaFleur could care less. I love it because I hate the Vikings. And so <laughs> for us to pry a guy, it's interesting on that he's and not to be an ageist, but he, you know, he's an older, older coach. But look at this. This is something that's really exciting. Jerry Gray has coached 
essentially all these different all-pro players and Harrison Smith, uh, Xavier Rhodes, who in 2017, he's fallen off the cliff since then. But then also Sean Taylor in Washington, Samari Roll with Tennessee, as well as Blaine Bishop in, in Tennessee. And if you think about it, how physical the secondary, the defensive backs have been for the Minnesota Vikings, I'm excited to see what he can instill with Jair Alexander, with Kevin King, and then the secondary with possibly as a whole cohesive unit. So just wanted to highlight that. Yeah, uh, There's really not much I can say outside of that. It, I, I, I trust Matt LaFleur. I trust what culture he wants to build. And uh, he, he, he got after it quick. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about the pickup as well. I mean, just when you look at the Vikings safety play as a whole over the last several years, they've been pretty phenomenal. So I think a guy like this is going to be good, you know, specifically for Savage and Amos, the the, the safety group. I think that uh, this is definitely going to be a, a step up, and I'm very excited to see what the whole defensive back crew is going to have for us next year. Good pickup. Good a, pickup. I think so, too. Bring it back, Mike Pettin. We'll talk about that in other episodes. I hope you all enjoyed UP's on tap. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for tuning in week in, week out. I do want to thank Nebels as well. You have made podcasting, you've you've made everything so much fun and, and alive and vibrant. And I'm excited to see uh, what we have in store moving forward. Like we said, with all these different aforementioned players, the future is bright. Uh, we've got some shining stars. I think the same thing for the Unknown Packers podcast. We haven't even been together for a year, so that uh, to yeah. see what we've done, all this change and continued evolution, I'm excited. With that said, there you have it. UP's on tap. Any last words before we wrap up for another week? I am looking forward to continuing on this venture with you, and I cannot wait till you know to see what what we come up with when we actually get a full season under our belts together. So, it's, cheers to that! It's going to be fun going forward. So, y'all stay tuned. Giddy up! Thank you so much for tuning in to UP's On Tap. I am your co-host Bryce Christensen, and I'm Nebels, and this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit. The Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is The Unknown Packers Podcast.